Crouch. Bind. Set. Joe presents the House of Rugby together with Guinness. Welcome to House of Rugby, brought to you by Joe, together with our good friends at Guinness. I'm proud to say, pleased to say, joining to my left, we have got James Haskell, the two foundations of the House of Rugby, alongside me here, as well as looking pretty smart at the end there, Chris Robshaw, 66 England caps. He's a real stalwart of the team. We're going to be speaking all sorts about Chris's career. But first of all, I'm in the hot seat. Alex Payne, not here. Any tips you'd like to get from your presenter? Ask How would you like me to go about this? Well, first things first, I listened to last week's show. Um, I've got a little bit of beef. Um, you talked way too much about rugby. Came at me on a number of occasions. You've turned up with your school workbook. You've got, <laughs> one, of them, you've got one of them pens with different colours. But you've jazzed yeah. it up because you're like, oh, I'm not kids. So I won't go with the blue version. I'll get the silver version. You've got extensive notes. I'm really worried because I think it was really interesting last week. But viewing figures sort of dipped because the whole idea of... House, House of Rugby is we don't actually talk about rugby and you're too accomplished. Right. You're okay. too much of a rugby noise for this I, show, I think. I'll do the house. Yeah. You do the rugby? No, no, the, uh... no. I'll do the house because I'm a DJ. Guilty. Um, and <laughs> you do available. The... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weddings are available. <laughs> do bar mitzvahs. And just to let you know all the rugby fans who keep writing to me to do their weddings and do their birthdays and everything else, you've got to pay. This... A pint of Guinness ain't going to cost cover costs, just to let you know. And I don't have my own DJ equipment. I don't have a van with a smoke machine or mobile <laughs> fucking traffic lights. I know. <laughs> Some of Ollie Phillips. I'm doing Ollie Phillips' wedding this weekend. Congratulations to Ollie. Uh, he asked me to DJ. And I went, right, I'm sweet. Have you, got, have you got any equipment? And he was like, what do you mean? I went, Ollie, I don't have my granddad's van <laughs> that I'm not going to pull the side open and unpack a lot of equipment. Like, if you want to do it, Buy it in. So, obviously, as soon as you have to spend any cash, you have to have a lie down in a darkened room and I won't be DJ. I see the big headline. James Haskell, no pay, no play. Yeah. That's okay. what I said to them. Honestly, because I put a video up of me DJing in Italy at my mate's wedding and got inundated on Instagram. Go, mate, mate, it's my wedding. Will you come and do this? So, obviously, I just forwarded to my DJ agent who wrote back the price. <laughs> Funny enough, no one's booked. It's like, well, what did you think I was going to do? Drive to Darkest Wales and DJ for your 19-year-old <laughs> year birthday for a pint of beginners a packet of crisps? I think not. There, there, well, there could be a chance of that. There could be. Sorry, we're going to get into your DJing shortly because yeah. I cannot wait to hear about that proper bowl trip you had to Ibiza. But we've got Chris Robshaw here. How is your what number fourteenth preseason going? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, as you know, they're pretty tough. They're horrible, but everyone says the same thing. But it's actually quite nice because you just train, but you have weekends off. Um, but my first day back, first day back in contact, your body's feeling hundred. 100%, whatever it is. First bit of mauling you do, your neck just straight away. <laughs> You're some guy treading on your toes as well. And it's just like, oh, God. Did you remember how to play? You know, like when you go to the preseason, you have a bit of holiday. Yeah. I used to come back. I mean, I obviously look like I'd forgotten how to play most of the time. But I kind of have a holiday, really enjoy myself. Body feels fresh. You know, do you know what? I can do this. Get into preseason, bit of running. Oh, I'm all right. Mm. You know, did a bit in my holiday. I feel fine. But I kind of forgot how to play. And then when you get into that morning session and some absolute Muppet treads straight on your on your foot. And also, it doesn't matter these boots now. If you had the old steel toe caps, but it'll literally pierce through the boot. So someone's standing on your foot. You go into a mall, you get it, misjudge it. Your neck's compressed. You've got instantly got a headache. Mm. Do you just wonder, like, what the hell am I doing? I'm a lot safer on a sun lounge. I know you've got, like, ten you're, you're real stuff, keen, yeah. but... No, I enjoy it. I'm like you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you like, love it, do you? I do, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, like, off-season, you do a bit of running, a bit of, I don't know, weights, whatever it be, but you don't actually pass the ball. So the first time you go back, try to pass it, you're like catching like has does. Beautifully <laughs> <laughs> with one hand and pass it on, yeah. Was uh, your nickname a toaster? <laughs> no, no, don't True be story. rude. Um, talk to me about this, because do you know how we know you trained? 
throughout the summer because mm. you had a photo in 17 different gyms posting on Instagram mm. for the full pre-World Cup Hang on, this is our irony warning here. No, no. Oh, Bing, don't get me wrong. Bing brother is always watching. Yeah, don't Bing get me wrong. There you are. Right. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I 100% am all about the PR life. It's just that Robbo normally operates quite a tight ship. It's kind of revolving photos of, of him, his missus, and that, that little dog. What's he called? Rock, Rocco? Rocky. Rico, yeah. Rico, right? Um, but there was a big push pre-World Cup where he was in not just one gym, 17 different Super gyms. Super imposed. Like, like, no, he was, <laughs> he was there, but I, I saw him and I contacted him and went, how you doing? He's like, just did some extra training, Ask, And then just a little glint in his eye of like, PR. I mean, everyone's watching like said, all the time. Big Brother's always watching. Like, you can go and have some beers, but if you've seen in the gym... Uh, it's yeah. close. So what, talk about your 14th then, pre-season. Yep. Do you, does that kind of like earn you a few vouchers where you're like, going, look, a little bit sorry, coach. Maybe you want to just... They do, me... every now and then, they do take the senior guys out and just go, do some off-feet conditioning, something like that. Just walk down the bottom, have a little rest. Um, but not really. I'm one of those guys, I want to be out there the full time doing the training. Although, as I have got older, you don't mind swapping in that a bit more. I'm happy to just get the young guys going in and just kind of orchestrate them from the side. So, with the young guys then, big onus on you now, back as sole captain, mm. co-captain last year. Yeah. What's been the theme to get the kids to do on the initiations and stuff like that? Or has it been pretty much tight ship? We're actually off to Ibiza. No. With Quinns, yeah. We've, um, I think the money they normally use to go on like a, a team trip away to like the south, of, not the south of France, like an area, a small village in France, have a week there, play a game. It's been like, we just play games at home, we train at home, but we'll give you guys a weekend away somewhere. Last year, we went to Amsterdam. This year, Ibiza. I think it's down to Saracens, really. I think them I doing it that. and being successful has kind of benefited every other team in, in England. You're going to play like the Ibiza female volleyball we team or some sort there. of thing? No, you might, you might do, actually. I've had a few phone calls from some of your uh, social secretaries asking yeah, no. if I could advise. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you after. <laughs> yeah, so. I've actually put, I've put a phone call. I've got to give you the guy's email address. Okay, let me know. Ibiza Rocks are keen to host Harlequins. <laughs> What's the that. name of it? Uh, Ibiza Just Rocks. So I Ibiza Rocks, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable <laughs> place where I DJed the other day. Um, but I do think it does work. But the only thing I, I told you when we had Billy V on here and some other people... Uh, was that whenever we played Saracens, Wasps would always be the team after they'd been on an absolute smash-up for a week. So they would get dropped in different parts of, of, of you know, wherever it was, Amsterdam or Europe, and they all had to convene by a certain date, you know, using whatever means in partners to get there. This kind of unbelievable bonding trip. We'd all be home. I, when I was captain, which was a long, long time ago, I would... Um, Say so my pre-match speech was like, listen, you know, this lot, they don't give a shit. You know, every time they play us, there's no respect. They come out, still pump us. And, and <laughs> because they had to pump you, yeah. because otherwise the party would stop. Because you can imagine that, you know, they're kind of... Um, coaches and people believed in it you know Alex Sanderson's kind of you know uh, uh, the real kind of emotional heartbeat of that team he believes in it they always do it but you can remember some old school board members and people would be like looking at bills going hold on a minute we're funding this uh, you know you know, waiting in the wings for them to mess up <laughs> but they never mess up well, that's always the thing like you said you would always be that team saying oh we've got to like prove that we've got to kind of ruin their party or that but again they've got the opposite mindset saying okay we've had a good fun out here we've drunk whatever else made some good stories and all that but now we've got to back it up. Um, and they always said it was bloody hard trying to do that. They're all kind of drinking till Wednesday, which is not really what happens anymore. Um, and then still going out there and winning. But because of them, Extra have done it. We've done it. I'm sure a lot of other teams <laughs> around. They didn't do it. Northampton, we did a few bits and pieces. But a few of those clubs end up, you know, it's still a bit of a fear mindset. Yeah. It's like um, we talked, you know, I interviewed... Um, some of the Saracen cut Mark McCall actually for uh, another uh, podcast or actually a show. I can't mention the name. And really interesting to talk about his mentality about stuff. And I think it's, it, you know, 
they do a lot of stuff because they want to do it and they're happy to break the mould. A lot of professional clubs do things out of fear. Mm. Oh, we've always done it, so we've got to do it. We've got to beat each other up on a Tuesday because if we don't beat each other up on a Tuesday, we won't play well on a Saturday. And, you know, we can't afford to have guys doing enjoy themselves. And that's why I think so much is said about his pre-seasons. I believe that these, a lot of these teams will be overtraining lads. They will be breaking boys mm. before the season's even started, no doubt. And there is no need to do it. And, it's, and it takes a team to be really brave and go, do you know what? We don't need that. So I, I interviewed Danny Kerr for... I uh, was doing a campaign um, the other day and he asked him about pre-season and he was saying the same thing with Robert. You get kind of that certain age. They're being a bit more respectful. They're taking the time. You know, Paul Gustav's really clever about that kind of stuff in terms of going, listen, lads, as long as you front up when we need a big session, as long as you do what you need to do, look after yourself. Because there's no point. You want him performing on the field. He's done, you know, think how many, it's not even age. It's like hours on the clock and the way he plays You've got to look after him because you want him to do the best. There's no point in him turning up, beating up an 18-year-old with all the time, you know, with all the energy, all the, all the you know, whatever, the, the kind of over-emotion in pre-season. You want him absolutely smashing it during the season. It's bizarre, really. So going there back is- then, over the years, the pre-seasons, how important do you think that bonding element is to it? Because often rugby teams now are turning over 15, 20 players in a squad. Do you think it's... it's yeah, I think it's huge. Um, like you said, a lot of stories come out of it and then that's kind of spoken about throughout the year. Someone will get a stupid nickname. And, but, and that's, that's why like, rugby's great in terms of that because you're, good ones? all the banter and stuff, you've probably got a couple. Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that's, what, that's what's key and then that kind of gives everyone a bit of a lift when you go back into training on a Monday, everyone's got that buzz about them. Or even when you play European side, you stay over there, there's that buzz about it because you're excited to do it because it probably doesn't happen as much as people assume in rugby anymore. Whereas I'm sure after every game or midweeks, whatever they used to be going out, it's the game's changed. It is a lot more professional. So when you do get those opportunities, yeah, guys enjoy it. But also I think as well, um, people, rugby, rugby civilians who don't know a lot about rugby, obviously went to, a lot of people went to university, went to college. University rugby sides are 10,000 times looser than obviously professional mm. rugby teams. They do initiations, bizarre stuff that is so kind of horrific that... that the lot of members of the public associate rugby with drinking. Obviously, club rugby is like the heartbeat and why why it's such a great sport because you have so many characters. But again, they're a little bit looser with their touring. The thing is that with us, A, we're under a bit more scrutiny, but those pre-season tours are so key because somebody will do something ridiculous. Like somebody will have a few drinks and like try and mug off the head coach yeah. or do something. And everyone will be like, next day, you do know that you said this to, to Die Young. You do know that you said that. And everyone's like... Oh my god, did I? Or one bloke who, who permanently nicknamed himself Bread Dog because we had a, we had a WhatsApp group. And we're like, you need to put something funny in there. He completely misread the situation and just put a picture of, of a small dog with his face through a piece of bread. <laughs> and for the entire rest of his career, he's known as Bread Dog. And I genuinely don't know what his actual name is. And he was in my team for five years. I, I just refused to do it. And that's the thing is that you can literally scar yourself for for, for life mm. on one of these trips. The best thing about rugby and what I miss now retired is. Sitting down with um, with Robbo, with the boys, with someone like yourself, having a coffee, having a sap, talking about we moan. Rugby players love moaning. Sappuccinos, mugging people off, talking about how bad training was, how stupid that guy is, how you know, and and, and that's the, that's the key. And you instantly build characters. And you're right, the turnover does happen a lot. And I think it's someone like you know, it's, it's someone like Chris's job almost as captain. You've got to have guys at the top, but also get your social secretaries, get your likes of Danny Care. You know, when Joe Marler's back, get your Joe Marler's in there. Because he's, you know, when he's captain, I mean, it was a bit like the Wild West. It was sort of a bit like Benny Hill show, doors closing, <laughs> people falling down, but he had the wheel of misfortune. <laughs> so he came in, he captained, when did he captain a club? A couple of years ago. And he came in and his first big thing, 
he brought this wheel it's, of misfortune. It's Joe Marley. Joe yeah. Marley, yeah. yeah. And I don't know where he got the idea from. So if you gave like a, a daft penalty on the weekend or, I don't know, you didn't tidy, put your tape away or something like that, just little petty rules, you'd have to go up the front of the meeting room and spin the wheel. So often we would have these serious chats and then we'd have three guys coming up. It was huge. It was like, it's probably about two meters in size, spinning this wheel and the punishments would be get a spray tan, like shave your head, wash your boys' cars, all this stuff. So I remember we had a, like, a really serious thing, like we'd lost badly, we're bollocking the boys, all that kind of stuff. And then we're like, okay, it's time for the wheel. And everyone goes up. And I think he had like a maximum spray tan he had to get. And it's like, it was just a, a But he manufactured it. Oh, yeah, so the best it was, it wasn't even like he purchased it or got someone to do it. He had spent hours and created this unbelievable extensive wheel with the proper clacker with the pegs and everything else. And so we had something once where we did post 2015 World Cup. All which right, went, went real well. Yeah. Went real well. Is that, do you remember that meeting where we had, where basically what had happened is all the coaches had said we were in, we were in uh, Manchester, right, playing, uh, was it Uruguay? Yep. Uruguay, something like that. And they were like, right, yeah. we want a meeting. And I got taken to one side. They got, right, we want you to do like a meeting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> want to do a meeting, right? And we want you to like come after some people. And I was like, well, or how harsh do you want me to go? And they were like, oh, no, there's bottles of wine for everyone. Call them up. We want you to bury them. Mate, I did a 25 minutes, a half an hour. Was that AJ Bell? <laughs> yeah, AJ Bell said PowerPoint presentation, which has luckily been destroyed. I think they were so mortified <laughs> by what happened that they had to take the laptop, smash it with a hammer, run it through a grinder and throw it so no one could ever find it. And I honestly went through everyone about all sorts of things that happened in the World Cup. And it was like, really, it was funny. Boys were in hysterics. But obviously, if you're on the receiving end, like, I don't think that doctor's ever recovered from it, have you? And, like, the other guy, when I said it to him... Disappeared somewhere, didn't it? Yeah, some other guy. We had an S&C thing, and we were talking all about kind of numbers, and, like, you know, S&C people love graphs. You know, in, like, a pre-season, you never see a graph go down. It's never like, oh, we've taken 40 lads, we've fucked them, half of them are injured. It's always like, right, you know, we've taken this, we're working at 25% of what we were for. We're going to go and do a session that's 140% of a normal game session. That equals that, and we've got a thousand quatrons and like lights, flames and stuff. I did this presentation where we talked all about the numbers, and I said, all these numbers are fantastic. They're leading to one place and one place only. The job centre, and I put a graphic up with this little bloke behind the window of a job centre. He actually got swiftly got fired after that. So it was kind of, it was kind of quite dark, but also brilliant. So, you know, humour at all humor. costs. Humor. Yeah, humour. Yeah. Friend first. Yeah. Send, send me until we get on. Yeah. If not, we'll get rid of us. Do you remember? But it was one of those things where they were like... They, the jester. You yeah. just found yourself... No, but they just sort of misjudged it. It was one of those was, things where you try to... It was misjudged. It wasn't... <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was, was brilliant, it but was, it was just wrong timing. Yeah, wrong, yeah. Okay. It was just one of those things where they called it, like, you know, try to have a serious meeting. And like we I had it a few times at Wasp when I was captain. We did a thing and Di was like we've just literally dismantled that whole meeting. Like, it was meant to be really serious. It's like, well, you, you asked me to do it. Like, what, 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 what did you think, what did you think about it, Skip? Again, we had, just, we had just been knocked out of our home World Cup. It was a pretty dark time. And then you got Hask up there. <laughs> like, it was... I mean, look, give me credit. Some of it was quite funny, but it was, again, wrong timing. <laughs> yeah. Was... But that's what they are. I said to him, what do you want me to do? And I said, we want to do this presentation. I said, are you sure? They were like, absolutely. You kind of I'm... had free reign, didn't you? Yeah, I got well. free, yeah. Free... I mean, I didn't come after any of the players. It was all mainly the staff. Um, so it was actually, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. I just got this <laughs> class scene of you running like Brent, like, eh. Yeah, 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 yeah it was. Yeah. Get out. You know, he had a, he get had out. like, um, 
A lecture as yeah, well. Yeah, the lecture. Yeah, the PowerPoint. I had Excuse everything. And so what happened is everyone would get, we'd sort of talk about, you know, awards and everything else like that. And then and then they would, I'd call them up. Everyone would clap. I'd mug them off, call them up, give them a bottle of wine, and then we'd, we'd do it. But it was just probably, you probably don't want someone like me doing that, really, mm. at that no, time. Look, looking back. Well, probably. we're going <laughs> to look back on that a little bit more later in the show. But want to go to the beginning of you two in your England career. So I've, got, I've done a bit of stats, mate. You know me. I love a bit of, a, a bit of insight. You two have played together. 27 times. Did you know that, Franklin? I didn't. Didn't no. know that? Okay. I just want to say as well, with that, 19, you started together, but Hask was on the bench. Did you, never missed, um, you never missed a game for a long period of time, did you? No. So let's roll it back. Do you remember your debut, obviously? Pretty spectacular debut place. over in Argentina, yeah. You replaced Hask in the starting yeah. lineup. That's a loose 15. There must be some good memories about Salter. Oh, my God. There yeah, was there was. The yeah. <laughs> there we go. The best bit is that, so we played at... Um, uh, Old Trafford, didn't we? Yeah. That was where um, uh, Cueto, obviously, you know, tight, tight lines, Mark Cueto, um, he uh, got that volley, didn't he? He volleyed it volley, you know, and, and chased it down. I don't know whether he actually scored or Dylan scored. But um, Dylan scored, I think, that yeah. was the game where um, John Wells, ever the motivator, right? Uh, Robert was on the bench. I've known Robert since he was at Millfield and I was at Wellington. And we've, you know, and we kind of did all the 19s on the 21s. So we've known each other. We've always like been kind of extras partners. He's always, head always dipped when I asked him to do extra tackling. He was like, oh, yeah. And do you know what, for years, on. Yeah, for years. Well, within reason, I'm not a lunatic. But it, but he would always, but what he got is when we got to the point where he got older, he just started going, no, I'm all right, ask. We'll just do some passing, will we? And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but it worked, that, didn't it? Yeah, it did work. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. What are you talking about? Um, but in that game, John Wells came up to me for the, uh, the first test and went, right, James, I need you to have a big game. You know, if you don't play well, you're out. And I was like, this was literally before the team run. I was like, well, I'm not really, you know, a psychologist or a motivator, but threatening me with binning me. He goes, you know, we've got Chris Robshaw waiting. You know, uh, you know, if you don't play well, I'm going to pick him. Good luck and walked off. And I was like, you've literally depressed me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me know where you stand. My confidence is an all-time low. Um, and I, uh, yeah, and I subsequently went all right, but not good enough. And, and Robert came in and then, uh, did you come on? I started no, the next game and you came off, yeah. I started the next I wasn't on the bench that game. No, fine. No, uh, or, but then he basically threatened me and that was it. It was gone. So yeah. your memories of Hass first time meeting, pre-09, pre at school. Pre-09 at school, yeah. Milford v Wellington, the big public Tense. school battles. Yeah. Um, and I remember, yeah, we were there, these young boys, no one's got any muscle. All of a sudden, this giant of a man, he actually had a bit more hair as well, called yeah. Haskell, walks around the corner at 18. We were like, what the hell is that? Not only was he huge, he was one of those guys who wore his England's shorts, England's oh. socks, with his, like, school top as well. Yeah, it was um, a bit weird turning, and you were about that size. turning lessons that, you know, with um, England shorts on and a, and a blazer and a tie, but, you know, I rolled it. <laughs> and then you saw him catch and it was all right. Yeah, so exactly, okay. yeah, the toaster was back. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable wheels as well back in the day. You got you me, got me, you got me, uh, got there's, me a, there's another one, actually. Who? When we played, like, when me and Hass played, again, the little bit of rivalry between the two of us, um, trying to play six and stuff. Hass was playing. I was trying to get in. Quinn's played Wasp at Adams Park, oh, so there's about a thousand people there, not too many. And I, I got this ball, and I've caught it, and then Hass has whacked me, and I've gone down and dropped the ball, and he stood over me and just gone. Shh. I was mortified. <laughs> I was like, that. I was like, what the hell has this happened? I know, I was mortified. <laughs> mortified. So, so, you know, like for, for obviously the, the age group stuff, we were always. Um, you know, Chris and I always got on really well. Um, you know, we always did did extra work together, and he's never been anything but kind of. He's not like a great, he's not outlandishly spoken, not like, you know, not, not arrogant, just really nice guy, always nice to me and him. Yeah, there's always competition in the back row. And it's like, 
I think, you know, Chris is a my mindset that, it, you know, once you're on the training field, you're trying to be com- competitive, you'll have a go. But once you're off it, you know, being, you know, head down, being RC, being a position hater. Like I know loads of players in the Premiership who are position haters who won't like anyone else. You know that you're not going to get chosen by that. So he was always really accommodating. And I've always been the same. But what happened before that game is Craig Dowd had got into my head. He was like a coach. And he, again, I was easy to wind up. And he was like, oh, you know, Chris Robson's doing this. He's coming at you. He's doing this. He's saying that. You need to fucking do this. Need to. And I, so I was just like, bah! And honestly, <laughs> I banged him, gave him that shh, shh, walked off. And I was like to myself going, why have I done that? Like what, I honestly said to him after get after get I walked on something. I am so sorry. It's like what you, I said, Rob, I, Chris. I don't I don't understand. Like it, there was nothing. He didn't get up. Didn't mug me off. Didn't even try and like fight me. We just had a conversation. I honestly apologise. I was mortified about it. It was it was ridiculous. But after that, we've been all right. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been the best of friends as ever we were. Yeah, the, the rivalry is really interesting because when that whole debacle around the World Cup with the, the out and out seven, the whole six and a half chat which yeah. you had, it was pretty much like you two. United about something obviously the public had a lot of opinion on but how how did you really find that that was between the two of you did it change any type of dynamic between you no I, I don't think so you know I, I was in a weird situation I mean you can talk about kind of the, the experience there I mean I think look I said it before on, on a load of shows I think um, when you have a situation uh, like 2015 I think a lot of people um, a lot of people kind of jump on bandwagons. A lot of people jump on headlines, come out with stuff that isn't accurate. You know, I've never been involved in a squad that was that was more hardworking, you know, from the coaching staff to the players. We put ourselves in dark places. We did stuff, you know. Um, obviously, uh, for, 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 he doesn't have to talk about it now, but for, for Chris, there was um, criticism uh, unfairly. I was on the field um, uh, in that situation. I know exactly what happened and how it happened. And, you know, he, in my opinion, he was hung out to dry for, for no reason. He, he, can, he doesn't have to speak about it. I don't want to throw other people on the bus because people are still playing. But I saw firsthand what happened. It was fucking bullshit. Um, that back row thing was really interesting because that World Cup finished. And, and I think he was probably, he can put it in his own words, when words was like nervous about whether they were going to play again. I thought I wasn't going to play for England again. You know, Eddie came and gave us both a, an opportunity um, to, to play together. And we, we came together with Billy and really bonded. You know, we'd always been mates. We felt... I think he felt really empowered. I felt empowered with Eddie. We felt like we had a job to do. And, um, you know, rugby pundits and old school rugby people are kind of the bane of why the game is not as professional as it should be. They have beliefs on what a seven should look like. They have a beliefs of what, how players should play. And I think it's, I think it's rubbish. I don't think there's, I think there's specific roles. And I think the reason the back row we had was, was so good is we complemented each other. We could each do a bit of something. We each had our standout points. And it worked really well. And, and do you know what? The, there was two really standout moments for, for me with him was A, when we finished. A, because I knew I had these six and a half shirts and thank fuck we won because they would <laughs> never see the light of day. And I wanted to do that because he got so much shit about it. I got so much shit about it. And also when, when we came back and we played uh, we played Wales at, at Twickenham and we beat, um, like it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. It's bizarre. <laughs> I don't even care about rugby, no. Um, and uh, <laughs> when we beat Wales and how emotional he was afterwards at Twickenham, mm-hmm. how it almost kind of like buried a, buried a hatchet because, you know, he's a quiet guy and reserve guy and, and, you know, each player has his own kind of cross to bear and deals with their own criticisms. And I think sports fans and people forget now that 
you know, what's written down is not just yesterday's chip paper. You know, everything stays, everything perpetuates, everyone has a strong opinion. And I think it was two moments for me that really stood out. It was A, winning that with him, and I've got a photo in the, in, in the house of, of two of us because we've kind of been through everything together, him in a different respect, me in a different respect, but also just that moment of coming in and how emotional he was and being able to sit next to him after we beat Wales at Twickenham for that, for that uh, the next time we went there and to kind of bury those demons and then to do it. I think it was, it was really important and really kind of really great. You're not along there, Robert. You agree with the whole emotions of it? Yeah, I do. Look, after Wales, it, it was tough. And like I said, it was um, a dark time for me. I couldn't hold it in and the fallout of the World Cup and whatever else it was. Myself, Hass, a lot of players and a lot of haven't, unfortunately, got the opportunity to play for their country again. Eddie came in, gave me an opportunity, gave Hass an opportunity and, and hopefully we repaid him. And I think that's what Eddie's so good at, giving players that confidence. Um you just found his power, didn't you? You just felt backed did, by him. He does. He, and that's the thing about him. He knows how to work people. I've never known a better team manager or team kind of getting the best out of people. Um, and he was so good at that. And I remember that game against France and we'd come in everyone's party, like um, partying in the change room. Billy's doing his dance. People are popping champagne, spraying everything and doing, uh, acting a bit like idiots. And Hass just walked over me and just gave me a wink. I was like, you right? He goes, just wait a second. <laughs> Off he trotted, came back with his two six and a half shirts. And I was like, oh. and it was, it was classic. It was brilliant from Hask. It was a nice moment because, yeah, we had had a, a fair amount of stick throughout the whole thing. Eddie saw the funny side of it, which is always a bonus. Um, and it's a nice memento. I've got my shirt somewhere at home with you. Still. Yeah, of course I've got yeah. it. I think, uh, I just think it was, it, was like, it was like a magical thing. And, and I've said it before, and I know uh, Eddie had his. Uh, had his, and his critics, and I think you do a lot of stuff with uh, and, lot, and speak very well about kind of business and the importance of kind of leadership and achieving goals and, and the methods for success, etc. With what you do with corporate people, and I always reference Eddie, and it's not because you know he gave me opportunities and he empowered me, and he gave me another chance. It's because fundamentally he understands the difference between being people focused and task focused and that balance. And there's been way better, there's been better coaches, but they haven't grasped that. There's been harder working people, there's been less harder working people, and I think. What's really interesting is that, you know, he looked at Chris and he'd, and he'd said what he'd said beforehand. And that's what pundits do. You know, when you're not involved and you have no emotional interest, you can say what you want. And that's the danger of people with no common sense, not reading between the lines and not being able to differentiate. So when he became England coach, you know, he gave Chris a remit and was like, right, I want you to be, you know, a, a, a key of cornerstone at the breakdown. I want you to be the workhorse. I want you to put numbers out there that nobody else will do. I want you to run back 40 metres and chase. I want you to harass people. And, and once you've got that, they got that that thing. I want you to be the link man. I want you to carry. I want you to constantly play. You know all the games for me. You, you get that. You know for me, just say, listen. I want you to bang people. I want you to be the physical the physical presence. I want you to carry. All you got to do is carry hard and hit people. That's all I want you to do. You don't have to do anything else. And and it's in, and it, to each person he did that. And and do you know what? We would sit in a meeting and he would say. At the end of meeting, Hask, you got anything to say? Chris, you got anything to say? He, he turned to his leaders. We we felt like we had ownership of it, mm. and it's not rocket science. Mm. And especially for someone like either way Chris plays, in my opinion, is that you know he he, he you know the way he said about preseason. He if you wind him up and you go and say to him, listen, we believe in you, we back you, he'll run himself till he can't fucking run anymore. He's a hundred percent a team man. He's a great team man. He's a hundred percent committed to it. And I think. That's, that's what's important and, and that's what I've noticed kind of through my career and why we've had such a good time and why I'll be really, you know, why it's some of my fondest memories and I think why, you know, we, we might come on to it later but, you know, you not going to the World Cup, me being retired, it's like sad that we'll never kind of recapture those 
those moments and not get a chance to do it again because it yeah. was so special, you know? Yeah, we're definitely going to jump back into this. It's some so boy <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I can't run anymore, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Are we team manager social sec? Tour DJ? Well, we'll get on to all that, but it's going to happen. But first, a chance to tell you a little bit about Joe's new show, Liquid Football. Absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you've caught this week's episode, but it's fantastic. Kelly Kate, Steve Sidwell and John Walters talking all about pranks gone wrong. And get this, they did a footballer FaceTime. So they get three people each... They have to try and FaceTime them. They get a point if someone answers. So off the top of your head now, international rugby player, who would it be for you, Robbo? Probably Marla. Yeah. Or, we, are we going to challenge this and actually make it happen? Or? We can do it. Mine would be Rory Best, Carl Sinclair and Ben Teo. You're listening to House of Rugby from Joe, together with our friends at Guinness, of which there's a nice sample in front. Um, really interested now to talk about where we were there about the England side of things. So Robbo, for you, it must be slightly strange at this time of the year to not be... In that England scenario, how are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. Um, it's all, it's always tough, and I'm sure Hass went through a similar thing as well. That you get a phone call from Eddie in the summer, um, and when he calls you, it's not normally good news, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, answered answered the call. Um, he told me what he thought. I kind of, <laughs> as with Eddie, you kind of accept it, and then that's kind of it. Uh, not a lot of disagreeing, is there's it? Not a lot of disagreeing, well, and then you kind of, yeah. You, look, it was it was tough to take to. Because realistically, you're probably not going to play for your country again, um, which is what you've always dreamt about doing. It's been such an honour to do to whether captain them or play for them. It's always been pretty special. Um, so to miss out on that, and especially after the way the last World Cup went and the disappointment with that, uh, I wanted another shot at that and an opportunity for that. But unfortunately, not to be. Um, and yeah, I, I had my soul cover my mope, and then you try and move forward. I actually did Sky Sports on. Um, the last when England played Wales at Twickenham. Yeah, you did it better than him. So thank you. You didn't have a shing shong. <laughs> and then it was actually the first time where you see some of the guys again because they've been off in camp. You haven't seen them. You catch up with some Jamie George knocking around Faz and guys like that, and you're there pit side, and it's just like that's where you want to be, isn't it? At Twickenham, eighty thousand people playing against Wales, a great side, and it's like yeah, these are the days you miss. Yeah, it did oh. a bit. I feel one time actually I was okay there, and then I got home and I was like. Yeah, yeah. That's it's kind I, of it. That's what happened to me. Like when I when I've been injured, so you know that there was mm. that when I did my toe and there was something else. I sat through the autumn and I watched you boys play, and I like to be involved in Sky. I like to interact. You know, I do enjoy I do enjoy all that kind of side of it. But there were moments where I found I found it really hard. And then actually, I saw you last week because obviously on Instagram, mm. Big Brother's always watching. Mm. And um, you know, I was watching. And I was thinking to myself. Uh, you know, I wonder what he's going through. I wonder how, how what his thought process is emotionally because you know you, you have the bravado. Men aren't great at expressing themselves. You might, you know, uh, my missus kind of gets all. I imagine you all gets the same. You know, when you kind of have those moments behind closed doors when you know you're crying into to Rico's fur or whatever it is, or you know, I'm just crying <laughs> yeah. into you know my DJ decks. Um, and you kind of you have those moments, and it's nice to be involved, but it's so hard because you're there, but you're not quite there. And that's the only what, through retirement for me. The the, the 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 worst is for me is when I see England or I see the guys at Saints or I see guys mm. doing stuff and I'm like the, the only consolation is I couldn't do it if I wanted to do it mm. but it but it but it is hard and I wondered if you do get you it, know how it, you... it is it is tough um, and I think different people say different things in terms of yeah but you've had a good career you've done this and you captain your country and all that and you have and you're very privileged to do that but I think you always want more you always it's want one enough, more game and people say you got 60 but you want 70 you want to play another World Cup all this stuff and I actually went in and chatted with Tony Adams the ex-Arsenal and England footballer and I was speaking about kind of the transition about what to do next and all this kind of stuff and I was like I do a bit of coffee shop and a bit of this and events and whatever else but I don't do anything properly 
And he said, that's the issue. You're always trying to compare it to playing in front of 80,000 people, to playing in 15,000 people at Stoop. Unfortunately, nothing's going to do that. You're never going to get that buzz again. And until you can go like, that chapter of my life was incredible. It was brilliant. Then you can kind of park it and move on to the next thing. But until you can do that, it's tough because a lot of guys actually retire and they get depressed. Um, and it's, it is a very tough time for guys. But was that from- hairstyle a cry for help? <laughs> <laughs> it was before it. <laughs> was it really? You're like, don't they say that? Like, <laughs> yeah, do you know what my mum said to me? So I've t- I think I've said this before. So you dyed your lid, right? Youthful, silver fox, right? Get it in. My mum was like, listen, shave your beard off because it makes you look too <laughs> Have old. Have you not had highlights? Eddie won't, Eddie won't, no, I haven't. Eddie won't pick you if you look too old. Mm. So she was making me trim it real low <laughs> as if Eddie was going to go, fucking hell, he's got five more years in him. I don't know what mums think they're, what they're, what they're about, but it's... Um, it is interesting that kind of that mm. kind of stuff. But he, Charlie, I, I think I, I had a long chat with Chloe the other day because I think once you retire, uh, you you almost lose your identity. So so or, or if you're not involved, you know we 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 pride ourselves on trying to be the best players we can be, play to the best level, whether it's sevens, whether it's it's fifteens, whatever it might be. And you, you know you you you, are, you define yourself with a schedule, and you go right. I am you know I am a professional rugby player. This is where I was. Now I'm like everyone else is here. I'm down here. But actually, in relative terms. You know, you, you've captained your country, you've achieved what you achieve. You've still got, obviously, a big mission with, with Harlequins, your back captain, where, where I think you should be, and you're, and you're doing good stuff. It's it's fine. It's just, it's trying to reconcile that, you know what, you've got new chapters, you've got new interests, you're not defined by what you want. Yeah. But there is always that little voice in the back of your head that says, I want to play more, can I get one more thing? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into England camp at some point soon and do some stuff with the, with the back row. And for me, it's like... I don't know emotionally how that's going to be. Cause yeah. I, but actually, mm. because I know that I couldn't do it mm. if I wanted to, that is kind of a bit of an ease and a bit of a better you, thing. Do you think that because a lot of the guys have changed, it'll be easier going in there? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, like... Especially in the background. Yeah, 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 100%. Like, you know, you look at the guys, so if I think, if I turned up and say you were there or Woody was there or someone else is there mm. and you look at... There was a lot of old boys there if Dylan was there. But actually, you know, interestingly enough, I don't know how many caps have been left out of the squad. I know you talked about it in detail, yeah. but... There is a fuckload of experience that isn't that going to this. Right. Yeah, this mm. isn't going to this World Cup for one reason or another. You know, the Brownie To kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you've got two guys that are out. You've got Chris has been left out. Danny Care's been left out. Dylan's gone. Uh, you know, it's 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 really interesting to see. So when I go in there, because I know them and actually um, a lot of the young players like Tom Curry and, and, and Sam, you know, I, I've spoken to them before and kind of built relationships because, however competitive I am. I've always wanted to be one of these guys that were like, listen, can I, can I help you? Can I do this? Like Woody said it on his show, you know, even when he first came in, he thought I was going to be an absolute prize dick. <laughs> I probably am, but I'm not, I'm not a position hater. I want to help people. I want to do stuff. And while we're competitive on the field, off it, we'll, we'll bond. And I mean, those guys have done, same thing with Billy. I speak to Billy probably every couple of days to, right. see what he's, to see what he's doing. Mark Wilson, you know, he'd come in, you know, I've got a relationship with him. So it'll be quite nice. Lewis Lidlam, you know, he, he was a guy I played at, at uh, Saints with. I absolutely love that boy. I'm so proud. Him. you know he he was I mean, he summed up you know he was in Bali on the piss you know post season after having that game and suddenly you know fast forward eight weeks he's now going to a, a a World Cup with two with two starts in the back row so I think it does make it interesting and I don't feel competitive with them I'm competitive because I'm competitive but not competitive because I couldn't I couldn't do anything mm. if I wanted I'm sure, I'm no sure Robbie's me. loving that comment there about him being on the piss in Bali there's no, but, there's but no the, point me running them all over in, the, in my car in the car park I'll do you a favour if we want to mow them all in we'll get him take them all out yeah take them all out then we get picked this is Quite an important point, I guess, because the media and the wider public are told definitively when they hear all the press and the, and the sound bites from what Eddie's saying, there is still an opportunity. Whereas you're talking there very definitively, 
my England career is finished. But like you say, two or three things go wrong. Two more test games than yeah, suddenly. Look, I, people always say that and people always say, oh, injuries happen and this and that. But you can't sit around and wait for that. Right. Look, of course, I, I would love to play for my country. And if that opportunity came, I'd grab it with both hands. But I'm, uh, I'm quite a realistic guy. Um, and I was speaking to someone, they're like, oh, you might play in the Six Nations. I was like, nah, probably not. Right. I think it's that, it's that type of thing. And look, you, you learn with it, you roll with the punches and you move forward and you can't, you can't moat forever. You get back on the horse, like I said, back at Harlequins and now and looking forward to that. But also yeah. interestingly, you know, Eddie's, Eddie, I mean, there was talk of, you know, he's extended his contract. Is he going to, you know, there isn't that transition period. They haven't found someone to replace. He will be there. I guarantee yeah. that if uh, whatever happens in the World Cup, if Chris goes back to Harlequins, he plays well. And do you know what? Sometimes someone taking away that pressure, and especially the, the, the Harlequins that so I talked about with Danny, one of my biggest regrets about my career is sometimes playing with inside myself, overthinking, not, ha- not having the confidence. I know that sounds te- a bizarre thing with the way I operate, but not having the confidence <laughs> of my ability and not trying things in games that I wanted to do. You know, there's been a few moments where I've done some things. There's a few, you know, look, if you look in the deep archives of YouTube, there's a few highlight bits. I look at Danny and go, he's always tried whatever he wanted. You know, chip and chase, do this, fend this, do that, you know. And, and I, I think that once you take that pressure off, You've got however long you're going to play yeah. rugby. Yeah. You have got literally nothing to lose. You're playing with a good set of boys. You know, Quinns went, you know, went well last season, didn't get to where you wanted to do. That can play amazing things. And before you know it, if you told me after 2015 that I was going to go on and start, you know, seven for England and play more and play the best rugby of my life, I would have fucking laughed in your face. But it happened. Yeah. If you said to Chris after 2015, will you play for England again? Will you win a grandstand? Will you do this? I think he probably would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. So it can change. If your body's functioning, you're able to do it, and your mindset's right, this is the most powerful tool you've got. So I would never say never, but you've got to be realistic. You can't, you know, you can't start investing in it, putting money on with being the Six Nations or planning your entire life on it. You've got to move with the roll with the punches. But I guarantee, you know, a few injuries go down in that World Cup, there'll be people calling to that squad, and it's so attritional, you just never yeah. know. Especially Easter. if I murm all over with the old rangey straight through that. <laughs> especially <laughs> when you put them through the paces yeah. next week. Yeah. yeah, especially when I'm dropping dumbbells on their feet and stuff. <laughs> no, what have you got to do, lad? You've got to try and do this headstand. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you got to do when you do a deadlift? You've got to bend your back, and curve your neck down. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the Quinns thing. Really interesting on that, because Brownie and Danny Care, two of your you know friends mm. for, for a long, long time at Harlequins, does that sometimes make it easier that you're alongside them, or does it kind of inspire you guys to change the direction of what it is you're doing? Well, in terms of them not going to the World yeah. Cup, or look, I think we're, we're all pretty similar that, of course, you all want to be there and stuff. But I think when you've got guys back back in the club like that, especially as you get a bit older um, in pre-season, you look around and you realise you're probably the oldest player here by about five years. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of that, it's nice to have some, some of the older guys around, kind of some of the leaders as well, helping to run sessions. Otherwise... It's always you speaking. It's always this guy speaking. Um, whereas when you've got a couple more guys, it's nice to have them. And, and look, they're quality players. They're a bonus to any team. Do you, do you chat about it? Is that something you've spoke about? Not really. You you have the, the odd thing. Brownie would have had a few words, a bit of moan about it, wouldn't he? No, I expected you to divulge, but I know Brownie. And, you know, and I, love, I love him. He's, he's a good mate. But you know, he's not a man that ever sits down and like, let shit roll. He would be livid. But everyone is. You know, yeah. I would come straight in. I wear my heart on my sleeve. The first thing I'd do if something had happened, I would just gone. Chris, oh, a bit we need a coffee. This is bullshit. <laughs> right, let's have a let's have a let's have a chat. So we know where you're going to be watching for the first two weeks. I'm sure you're going to tell us about, <laughs> yeah. which is just ridiculous. But Robert, what about you? What where are your thoughts going to be around the World Cup? Where uh, are you gonna we're going to be playing. 
and the, the season starts or the, the Premiership Cup starts so we're planning that uh, hopefully I can get the old corporate gig as well keep paying available. the mortgage yeah. <laughs> um, surely you've paid that off with all the deals you've done haven't you <laughs> off with the second property that I see right uh, holiday home <laughs> just relentless <laughs> yeah. uh, look there'll be opportunities and stuff here but no I'll be, I'll be here training I'll be here playing with a club um, so yeah, nothing too crazy. Right, come on then, let's hear it. No, okay. Ask, this where will you be right. watching so, the World so, Cup? So. Is this because I turned that one down? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Wait, you couldn't do it. I'm in the slips. <laughs> what, listen, I will take the amount of gigs you do. I will happily sit nestled in your slips, catching you know beautifully with these unbelievably probably skilled not catching. Catching. Probably not, not catching. Catching. Probably hit me in the teeth. And I'll catch <laughs> the second time. I should do me Tell a favour. Then. Right, so yeah. I'm going to Soniva Fushi in uh, the Maldives. I am commentating for um, guests at the hotel for some of the key rugby games. And the best bit is, is that since I posted the photos of the floating cinema outside, I've literally had messages from people going, fuck off, mate. That can't be real. How did you get this? You lucky bastard. I mean, even you, one of the most, my one of my biggest critics, skeptics were just... I just clapped. It's hard. Uh, and they'll be in Japan. Full spears after that. Who are you there with? Uh, House of Rugby are going to Japan. Oh, no. Joe are going to Japan. We're going to be doing live shows. We're going to be doing podcasts. Alex Payne, I, I can't imagine... You know what? I reckon the way he's going to travel is full pan, uh, linen suit, Panama hat, the full tourist. Um, I would just be in my average to middling gears uh, with terrible shoes. V-neck and, t-shirt. Yeah, just full V-neck. Normally, it was... You know, when I was younger, it used to be just a deep V down to the belly button. But, but as I've got slightly that. more respectable, it's just a small V. Well, go to your question, what's up, though? How quickly is the culling of the group? If when when you weren't selected, is it? Or when you leave? Yeah. Oh, uh, what England stuff? Well, they're making you one every time. Literally, <laughs> literally Jesus. before you've actually left. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> England one, honestly. So on a t- is it Tuesday normally? So say it's a normal test week. So Saturday to Saturday, Monday Tuesday, you'll have everyone in there. So you have thirty-one guys in, but only twenty-three due to the EPS can stay. So you would have trained on a Tuesday afternoon, which is like the hard session. And before you've even got back into the change room to look at your phone, it's a message from from the team manager. Please see Eddie before you leave. <laughs> but do you remember uh, how bad it was with, but, yeah, it's with just, Graham it's Roundtree, though? Do you remember it was like way worse? With, with, yeah. when, so basically on the Tuesday morning. So you had to see Eddie and Eddie would be like, mate, we're not going to keep you in this week. We're not going to do this. But with Graham Roundtree, it was literally, you come down for breakfast and you'd be eating and he'd appear right silently and he'd tap you on the shoulder and be like... Can we have a chat? You'd be like, Ugh! so what I do is I didn't used to go to breakfast. So I used to hide. My <laughs> idea was that if he couldn't speak to you, he couldn't get rid of you, he couldn't drop you. It worked. But even then, you'd be like walking down to the training centre at Penny Hill, and he'd come out yeah. of the bushes. He'd like be camouflaged. You'd never, you'd never escape. So it was pretty painful. I, I think with Eddie, he's always very, he's direct. He doesn't doesn't bullshit you. He tells you exactly how it is to the point. Um, and I think that's the best way. You can't. You can't really sugarcoat that type of thing, can you? No. Definitely going to pick up on the Eddie Jones stuff. Well, this is House of Rugby from Joe, together with our friends at Guinness, with me, Rob Vickerman, James Haskell, and Chris Robshaw. And we're going to get into a bit of rugby now. I know you've been gagging for this, Hask, because you've been at your desks with your mate Craig David, sat next to you, talking about Bo Selector and everything there. But Eddie Jones come out of it, and he said, now, Wales, number one ranked team in the world, are favourites. What are your thoughts on that, Robbo? Well, are they favourites, or his comments? Both. Uh, look, I think he, he likes playing mind games and stuff and I think he's very confident with his side um, are they favourites I think Wales are very good they're very tough to break down I honestly think it's going to be between England and South Africa this World Cup um, and then hopefully England you need a bit of luck along the way as well don't you But yeah. why, why do you think South Africa I think we went there and did you come there a couple of years ago uh, you, was that the what uh, you went on 
tour no, there. No, two, I didn't. Two, busy that week, mate. Mm. Not that no, I didn't do that one. I didn't get picked. He Last. rested me. He never played me again. <laughs> you rested <Yeah>. and you <laughs> dropped. We were forever. there and they were just starting to come good. They've obviously shown in this championship they've gone on and won. I think we're playing the South Africans. They've just got that physicality that they only know one way and that's over the top of you. So and if everyone that says work, that though, about physicality. Tell, tell us more. So for people listening and watching this who hear that physicality definition... What do you mean by it with South Africa? I think with them, like you look at their pack as well and they've probably got an extra 5kg on every player and they just know one way and that's over the top of you. So they'll get round the corner, run hard. They'll get round the corner again, run hard. And they get round the corner. If they don't make a game line, they'll kick it. And as soon as they get the ball again, they come in one way and that's over the top of you. So you've got to try and stop it. I mean, we went over there. What was it? 2014. 2014. And they were doing this thing called the train. So you would pass the Hask and I'd be behind him just kind of throwing him through contact. You'd hold me underneath my armpits in the back of my shirt and ram me into contact. Pretty rare to be behind you, though, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much. I was probably behind Robert out of breath. Um, <laughs> but no, so we had to spend the whole time. It took, we developed, Jeez. you know, talking about head, tackling a head in the spokes. Mm. And it was, um, and I remember, you know, when we, I got to play in the, the, the third test, I think, because Robert had broken his thump. And, uh, and it was... Uh, so incredibly physical and the thing is you spend so much time trying to stop momentum it's very hard to then impose your own game plan on them and I think with you know South Africa with the finesse of kind of your you know your Villy de Roo, and now they've got so many scrum yeah. half options um, you know with, with Faf de Klerk and, and you know Kobus Reinach and, and that new kid who's come on who's kind Interest, of got yeah. Man, yeah he's got man of the match first game and scored again um you know, they've got that kind of finesse and I think they've got that ability and also they've got some very big centres that, you know, that when they run those hard lines, they're just constantly getting the momentum and I think when England have done well, the way they've played is, is that momentum. You know, international rugby, premiership rugby is all about getting to A to B, you know, and the purists get really upset about it and if you can get A to B, get a, get a, a, a defensive line scrambling, those are spaces appearing. If you can be ruthless with it and you can kick, kick well and pass well, then these boys I mean, are causing... I mean, you look in the premiership as well, the two sides with the biggest packs, Exeter and Southsons, getting them on the front foot. And as soon as you're on that, there's so many more options. I think England know there's been a lot of people have questioned them and saying this and that. But you look at the players they're going to bring back and who's available and they're going to be a team to to match and better anyone, I think. So, they've got a pack now that can match at the best in the world and they've got a back line which I think scares people, which I think they've been tinkering with for a while. Uh, but I think now, and I think someone like Anthony Watson, he's a guy who... Literally, he gets a ball and the crowd get excited. Yeah. As a player, you literally want to give it to him and go, go on, be special, do something. Um, same as Manu as well, really. Same, yeah, same as Manu. And they've got those it. players with those X Factor. And Eddie's always been like, we need about five players who would get into a world 15. And I think they're, they're probably there now with the Billy Fazes, like Manu, Jamie George or something. So there's a number of guys there who are taking this team to that next but level. You know I'm also pretty comfortable in saying that Wales are number one. They're number one in the world. They are team to be. I think what, what people forget is that going into a World Cup is like nothing else on earth. So, you know, back in the day when teams didn't get together, when like Argentinas didn't get together, they would suddenly have uh, this pre-season before a World Cup and suddenly turn up and consistently get to semi-finals and be amazing. Obviously, now with the, the Rugby Championship, they're there all the time. So they've kind of, you know, they always do very well in World Cups. I think, you know, what you've got to understand that to, trying to win a, a World Cup is such a difficult task that because it stresses you on so many levels. And I think what will be interesting about Wales is 
they showed in the Six Nations and they showed last week that they can win you know, without playing the, the most flair, without playing the most attractive rugby, they can do what they can do. You know, I think with Dan Bigger, I think he was he was really interestingly criticised by, mm. by JJ Williams and, and I loved his sort of post-match yeah. thing. My favourite thing is when these old old people who've, who've done a few bits and pieces and obviously had amazing <laughs> careers, they pipe up and then you just, you know, you don't want to read papers, you don't hear about it, but some mug is going to tell you about it. And I love when you just dish them up and say, actually, yeah, well, he was a great motivator without being rude, without doing everything. I think it's awesome. Well, um, what's big? like because I mean to play against mate, he's tough he's uncompromising oh, he's, he's like, such a good guy he was a guy on the Lions tour I got on there and I thought I ain't gonna get on with him Johnny Sex I didn't think I was gonna get on with him I didn't think mate Dan Bigger one of the nicest guys became a fr- fr- friend for life unbelievable bloke you know you saw him doing all that Macarena in the World <laughs> Cup you know, you know what the Welsh guys are like they're very passionate just as the English are they like to throw it in your face Johnny Sexton same thing I've, you know, the only words I've ever said Johnny Sexton on the field were so rude that even Nigel Owen said to me you've got to stop saying that because he was coming at me I was coming at him I speak to him, you know, every couple of months. I absolutely love the bloke. He was, he was, it was unbelievable. They're just massive competitors, and I think watching the way he plays for Wales, how clever he was as a an impact sub during that Six Nations. You know, Alwyn Jones. Everyone's kind of talking about his his prowess. You've got Ross Moriarty, who's just like a caged a caged animal. They're, they're, you know, they they are they are up there. I think what he remembers when you go to a World Cup, you've got to rely on players going to be away from their family. You know, I lived in Japan. Japan is an incredible place. It is a very difficult place to get on. Their language, it doesn't matter how many Japanese lessons you do. Mate, it's not like when you're in France and everything's based on a bit of Latin where you can pick stuff up. Mate, if you, you know, it's isolated. It's hard. There's different time zones. It's intense. It's going to be, I think, I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but it can be very hot. warm over there. It's going to be hot. You know, it's draining. You're away from your family. You're away from your friends. It's going to test you emotionally. If your team thing doesn't go well, or say, for example, the coaches lose the plot because pressure of a World Cup can make people lose the, lose the plot, make them do things differently. Say they overtrain the lads. You're suddenly away from your family. Your body's hurting. Your mind's hurting. You've got press scrutiny. Everyone's out to fuck you in terms of like, the, the, you know, with fans everywhere. Everyone's a paparazzi. It's so intense that it's the team that can right, go, get through that, that can stay united, that can play a game of rugby that will win at all costs. You know, in 2015, we were the fittest we've ever been. doesn't matter. If you listen to these any of these pundits, we were super fit. Uh, and the whole idea was we're going to push ourselves, we're going to play a game, the ball in time uh, in World Rugby was going up, and the Premiership was going up, so we were going to play. That World Cup had the lowest ball in, in, in play time than anything else, so fitness wasn't an element. So suddenly it came was who was the world drilled, who was able to execute, who could play. So it's really interesting to see how the tournament goes, and it's going to be such a mental test that I think there are other elements in form, and I think form going into World Cup matters nothing. What's important is, has your team been to a dark place emotionally? Have you actually played games where you've test yourself have you, have you been behind and come back and that's why with New Zealand you know people written them off, written them off had a few problems Mate, that team's been behind a few times and, and come back they know how to win South Africa have learned how to win Wales have learned how to win dirty England have had times where they've like messed up you know what, Ireland have been a number one team in the Northern Hemisphere for a period of time they had a shit six nations I wouldn't rule them out you know, it's going to be so interesting. France, you know, obviously they buried Scotland. You know, they, they are such an unknown quantity. Everyone always says it. It's such a fucking cliche. But when they get it right and they play with that intensity and say, for example, it, the, the games are quite short, ball time short, they start doing the offloading. They start getting their big units running. I think it's going to be so interesting. And there's so many other factors that people just don't put in there. So we actually spoke about your debut, 2009. That was the first time that New Zealand were number one ranked so it's been 10 years they've been on top. Since then? Yeah, it's crazy. 509 wow. weeks they've been number one. They're finally now not. <coughs> Wales taking that mantle. It might well change in the upcoming weeks. But you talk about that experience. Do you think that makes it more significant then that England haven't chose those experienced players if it's not about form, if it's not about fitness? I think they've got guys who have experienced the big stage 
And like you said, they might not have a certain number of caps, but you still look at the guys, the, the JJs who have come back, who have probably got about 50, Courtney Laws, these type mm. of guys. They've got a lot of caps there. They've got a lot of those Saracens guys yeah. who have won on the biggest stage in Europe a number of times. Serial winners, Owen Farrell, George, Maro, Cruz, um, Billy, of yeah, course, Billy, Maco. Yeah. I mean, they are phenomenal what they bring and the way they speak to speak to the squad and how they drive the squad. Owen Farrell in particular, I mean, there's a guy who's so competitive, wants to win so much for England, for Saracens, I'm sure the same. Now, when he trains, if you take him out, I reckon the volume drops by about 80%. That much? E- even from his first... I remember going into the camp when Stuart first came and I first went in as captain. And Owen was there, this this 18-year-old, I think he was, came in straight... I think He actually dropped his first ball in a little drill. Yeah. And after that, he was in. He was talking, he was kind of commanding space orchestrating all this kind of stuff and straight from there he was he was going and you could tell this guy was was going to go a long way do you know what's interesting as well just about that is that is that eddie i don't you know i'm privy to a few things i talk to i talk to lads i'm not going to reveal everything but but it certainly you know when you know that you've taken out say oldest more senior players you know chris is exactly right you've got guys with one shit like winning stuff is is more important because you know how to win. And Saris Sarri, had the years where they lost and they came back and won. There's boys in there that have experienced it. There's boys in there that have been in that last Six Nations with that balls up in Scotland. You know where everyone said, "Oh, uh, you know, are, you know, are they mentally right?" Yeah, that was all not. That was all just rubbish. It's just lip service against stupid press. Of course they are. They 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 put their foot off the gas. The one thing about Eddie is. He has talked and done so much on scenarios, on leadership, on getting those boys to speak, teaching them, educating them. Because that is one thing in rugby, and we talked about it on shows before. People talk about leadership, talk about stuff, talk about development. But we do nothing in training, nothing in the week that looks anything like mental development or anything like leadership development. Eddie is the only coach, the only coaching staff that I have been involved in that actually looks at that stuff and goes, right, these group of players are making decisions on the field. Here's seven, here's seven situations that have happened. How are you going to deal with it? No, no, don't you speak. You always speak. What are you going to say at the back there? You know, suddenly he gets the young players who don't say anything because they shit their pants. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Actually getting someone in to teach people how to communicate. So, you know, a lot of times in teams, you have, you have situations where it's very hard to have difficult conversations with your teammates. And that's why I admire Dylan so much was because he would call people out. He would call out his peers. He'd call out people. And it's hard to turn around to say to Chris, actually, just not, mate. I don't think you're turning the party line. I don't think you're doing this right. So Eddie has done all of this and thrown this in the mix. He, you know, he is, for all of the, all the bravado and the hand grenades he throws in the media, he is a really considered man. He's got great people around him, especially Steve Borthwick mm. and Neil Hatley, who kind of, who do this, and John Mitchell, would do this work. But they have thought about this thought about this time and time again so I guarantee without knowing all of what's going on in that camp they will have gone through all these scenarios so everybody will be prepped and primed ready to, to turn up and lead so whittling out those guys yeah it's sad but actually I don't think it's it's the be all and the end all however much I'd like I, it to be and I think with that a lot of the guys put so much emphasis on their starters mm. whereas he he's got his his game game two uh, yeah what the they call them finishers the finishers <laughs> In those meetings as well, making as many of those decisions because he's like, realistically, you guys are on the pitch in that final 20. So at the end of the day, you're probably more important thinking correctly under pressure in those key situations because international rugby, good team against good team, it's done in the last five, ten minutes, isn't it? Obviously, if you play someone weaker, you might pull away early on. Uh, but more often than not, it's those last five, ten minutes. So when you've got those finishes on, they need to be the ones thinking clearly, making the correct decisions, whereas a lot of coaches and stuff will just put an emphasis on their starters and their main kind of leaders in that. and But anything can happen. They could be off the pitch, they could be injured, uh, not have played well. 
all of a sudden you've changed a lot of the squad. Yeah, and they're going from Sunday to Thursday in terms of their turnaround from game one, game two. So that's massive about that 30-man squad effort, isn't it? Yeah, there's, you know, he, he'll encourage no passengers. You know, when, when Robert said about having guys the World 15, you know, he wanted, you know, how many self-sufficient players do you have in a squad? Right, so it, it, even a premiership squad, right? You've got a set of diehard people who are super professional, work really well. You've got a few guys who are quite comfortable to be in the squad. They're quite happy to be playing rugby. They like to call up the friends and say, I'm a professional rugby player. You've got a couple of young, young, young players. No, they have. They have. You've seen yeah, how many so, guys have yeah, pissed yeah. away their careers. How many people don't put the effort in because they're comfortable to be there? You've got, you know, it's no mistaking that you look at premiership squads and you can in, look at people's work ethic and go, they're going to go on to be the best. This bloke's going to fail. This bloke's just happy to be here. This guy's going to be a journeyman. And, and, you know, what he's created is an environment of people who are super, um, you know, keen to progress and super self-sufficient. And every team now, if you follow anyone's Instagram from Wales, from Scotland, from Ireland, from South Africa, New Zealand, everyone's working hard. Everyone's running in the sun. Everyone's puking on the floor. Everyone's doing everything. So, what's the what's the the common denominator? What's the differential between those between those teams? And it's going to be that extra bit of work. It's going to be that decision making. It's going to be the bonding. It's going to be you know, are the lads comfortable to sit around? You have to be best friends, but are you going to be able to sit down and, and spend all those time in Japan together? And I think it's the team that that does all that and does the secret bits. And Eddie, Eddie, you know, Eddie had that bird in doing the eyes. You know, the eyes thing. Everyone's like, oh, you know. Know, has that helped? You know, he's had every, he's had all sorts of people in because ultimately, I think he operates a policy that whatever happens in his World Cup, when he looks at his blueprint that he's torn up a few times, can he say, Do you know what? I've done absolutely everything. Oh. I've fucking I've got supplied these guys wanted for nothing. I've done everything. I've made them self sufficient. You know, every time you go back to your club, you'd have a debrief. That wasn't good enough. That isn't good enough. This is what you need to do. This is the fitness goal. This is what you you never escape it. And it's the players that go, oh, Do you know what? I'm going to embrace this. That are, that I've ended up in that World Cup squad and some through just obviously for selection and it's the guys that are never going to get close to international who didn't embrace it but so, I think um, with, with that he's always been very open he said judge me on this World Cup yeah. until I get to that World Cup I'm going to tinker through things so we've gone through, gone through some easy sessions with him and we've gone through some <laughs> sessions which are which are more than anything we've ever done before yeah. and that's because he wants to get the best out of it and I think with someone like him he's a perfectionist he wants to go away and learn so whether it's going to like sort of Tour de France and looking at the, the biggest endurance event in the world how do they produce that energy every single day? So he looks at their recovery and then he brings that. He's gone to see Bayern Munich when Pep Guardiola was there and saw the intensity in which they train every single day and he brought that. So he goes away and handpicks these little things. And I think he's, he's so knowledgeable in terms of that, but also he's got a good team around him. Like you said, Borfers. I mean, as a coach, line-out guys, forwards coach. Borfers, no, I would say nobody works as hard yeah. in world rugby I have ever seen. Ever, don't care what they say in any sport mm. than Steve Borthwick. That dude, it, you know, <laughs> it, he literally, A, he's developed into an incredible coach and kind of really developed his kind of whole uh, presenting skills and everything else. But, mate, he works harder than anyone I've ever seen. And he is, you know, like when we were on the Lions tour, that midweek side, he was the heartbeat of that side. And it didn't, re we didn't really, it didn't really come out in dispatches about it all. And I might say it for the autobiography, who knows? But he was, <laughs> he was literally the. The, the reason that team was good and got the tour back on track is because he committed to it. In that England camp, I reckon he's up at four, I reckon he gets about four yeah. hours sleep. You know, he does 20,000 miles a week up and down in, in, in the old Mitsubishi truck, rolling around everywhere, doing stuff. And he, 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 he is incredible. And Eddie goes to him and he does everything. And in some weeks, he's head coach. Neil Hatley, <laughs> that bloke, he gets hammered. And, and Eddie has these boys on, on, 
on their toes the whole time. And it's those kind of people behind Eddie that give him his presence. But, you know, I can't underestimate. If, if England go on and win the World Cup, which I hope they do, you know, and, and I'll be like, we'll be like John Terry in the full stash out there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be at that podium faster than fucking right out of the drain pipe. <laughs> You'll be giving uh, out the medals. <laughs> wait, I will be. I'll be chairman of the, the Japanese Rugby Union. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, he, he, I, I think it'll be down to Borters as well. You know? yeah. Right. That's massive. And, and in terms of what we discussed here with the World Cup, we haven't really mentioned New Zealand, where everyone else in the world would say they're always favourites because they're New Zealand, but you don't think they're going to reckon? I, I wouldn't write off New Zealand. I mean, Straight back from Chris Robshaw. No, there. but I mean, they, they've been there, done it. They're, they're an incredible team. They've, they're playing kind of their side of the world, so to speak. And I'm sure they have a lot of kind of fans up there as well. And I think with someone like Bowden Barrett, Kieran Reid, these type of guys are back row. They're, they are formidable. Um, but I, I hope, I hope from an English point of view, they're they're kind of on the way down. But yeah, you don't know. But look at them last week. They, they, yeah. you know, to win that was it thirty six nil. You know, they, they went and got a loss before, the, the game the before. Well. Got pumped, wasn't it? in the rain. Yeah, in the rain, they got pumped, down. and then they turned up and did thirty six. That is the beauty of that New Zealand side. If you look, no, t- you know, they're the most winningest team of all time. No team can consistently do that. If you tinker around with it, you play around with it, you do everything around it. You know, you're going to get different losses. Boys cannot front up every week. You, you get drained. But to come back and absolutely do the same side in and, and do it thirty six nil in the rain, play the way they play. That is the danger of them. And I think they they know about winning. They understand about winning. They're very hard. They have all that kind of cultural element which keeps them together. You know, I, I don't think they've got this mystic aura. If you listen to that book, The Legacy, that you know, they they talk all about you know good men make good Kiwi, you know, good All Blacks or good Kiwis make good All Blacks, whatever it is. There is that element in there. But it's also just a, a kind of a personal fear, I think, about letting that shirt down because you don't want to be the All Blacks team that loses and, and does a job. Because you, know, you saw what happened in, t- in t- you know, in, in the two thousand seven one. You know, they, they, that didn't go down very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. I think that they, you can't rule them out, and I think they're very, very, da- very dangerous. And I think just because they didn't win it, I don't think it makes any difference. Come those first games, that they mm-hmm. know about winning World Cups, they know how to do it. I think we're in my whole time. I beat New Zealand once yeah. in about six attempts or something. And I remember that. And you need a bit of luck when you play them. Look at, unfortunately, when we played them this year, the bounce of the ball, Courtney, apparently uh, a foot offside or a couple of inches offside. And, and that's the luck you need to go your way. When we played them back in 2012 or whatever it is, I remember Dan Carter missed two kicks in front of the post in, in the first half, which never happens. He then goes off injured, upsteps Manu Tuolangi, who was just incredible that day, running through people, intercepting ball. And I remember, yeah, we're 15-0 up, I think, at half time, Straight after... Straight after the half, I think they scored two tries in in about five minutes, and you just heard the whole crowd crowd go, "Oh!" <laughs> and it was a bit like, "Shit, I hope that doesn't actually happen." Um, and it, but again, we we had a bit of luck on our day, and we had an incredible person in Manu Tuolangi who yeah. who pretty much did everything for us. Okay, well that is insightful. Now I know it's time for your favourite moment of this session that we have. Here. It's time for the Guinness Perfect Pour, our weekly test. In 119 and a half seconds, because that's how long it takes to pour the perfect pint. And we threw it out to the Facebook group, didn't we? Did we put we? it out there. Yeah, we did. Didn't even know we had a Facebook group. Facebook group. I got one of those as well. Yeah, that's Facebook good. Group. So, Somebody's so, got so it, Mike's got a head <laughs> Well, Charlie, Kate, there is a T-shirt on the way to you. Have you seen these T-shirts, by the way? Yeah, they're unbelievable, aren't they? They're good. Are so you know them? We've got merchandise, because we haven't had it delivered Merch. yet. They've just got the sign- samples. Um, but there are some, yeah, some great ones. We're going to do, hopefully, I need to just talk to, to Evans, the man, but we're going to do a limited, a limited range. So once they're done, 
They're done. But we'll get we'll get you like that, giving it all, you know, yeah. send it my way. Yeah, we need to come up with a quote like what's your line? You know, oh I love preseason and your neck will be on backwards or something. <laughs> yeah. You still can't turn this yeah. way. Got to do this style. Yeah. We've got a GQ judge here, we've yeah, not even yeah. mentioned it. Oi, when you, grooming. I told you about the grooming. When are you gonna send me them bits that you don't use or hook me up? I always got, need a, they're like Christmas presents, mate. They're just in the bathroom. Uh, hook your brother yeah. up, mate. I can't When's afford it. I can't afford anything now. So any beards to fast, mate, as well. Yeah, I do actually. Well I told you I did I did this thing for Veet Men and I I was doing my chest and unfortunately I put my head down and the Veet got caught under my chest one of a beard and melted a hole in my beard <laughs> no one told me rude but do you want to know what the topic is yeah, Charlie Kite's throwing it in there it's going to be a touring 15 so of all the tours you've been on I want to hear a 15 you of your the best, best tourists touring. as in best tourists or best players nah, nah. nah. <laughs> sack off that <laughs> you know exactly what we mean stop here, trying to make it listen I know Vic's in charge and he yeah. makes it fall like I didn't rugby know if it was actually rugby or nah, not. No, there's no, nothing no. about this show's rugby it's only when him he's left unattended does he go full rugby we want people there's who no are absolutely wait, all those kind of people that you want to spend a, a time on tour Has, who are, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions coming the way of every single person you're about to name yeah, fine. Um, yeah. I haven't really thought about this because they didn't let me know who we did but I think um, Paul Doran Jones number one number one for me in, in a friends friends. Friends. Right yeah, yeah but he's also an unbelievable tourist yeah, um, you know great drinker real emotional heartbeat um, you know obviously I won't go into too many other details because he's a married man but he's, you know, he's fantastic uh, at lots of areas um, <laughs> Hooker Hooker uh, I've got to say Dylan Dills. Hartley yeah, I love Dills yeah. he uh, for me uh, you know, great kind of guy on the fines. Won't let anything slide. Will keep discipline amongst the troops. Great man. When he goes hard, he's got he a good hard. balance to him as well. Yeah, train hard, but also enjoy. See, it I had well. Keith Wood there. Keith Wood. At <laughs> Wood. It's, just, it's not 1935. Yeah, no, we you were Quinns briefly with him, actually. Mate, you're such an old rugby north. Forget Keith Wood. Yeah, that's his dad. Would like to talk with Keith. Yeah, forget Keith Wood, mate. Nick, we know. Where are you getting steamed up with Keith Wood? You've been watching. You've been watching. Tell me what you do. You've been watching Lions '97. Yeah, you've been watching Lions '97 and Mickey Skinner Bosch videos. He's not in our six. I better just cross out John Bentley. Yes, forget John Bentley. Bentos, right, lads. I tell you what, um, number three, who are we going to have on that? Uh, you know, Marley. Marley's a loose head. Yeah, but he's allegedly now. Yeah, but we could do, we could do. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I put, uh, I put Coley, I tell you why. Yeah, Coley. So my first bonding, he's a great roommate. Yeah. My first bonding session was uh, once we, we drew with Scotland. Coley and I had kind of, problem with Leicester lads, all the way through England camp and everything else that you would have seen from the old. Hascam videos. They're like, <laughs> they herd together. They're unable to think. They're like the Borg from Star Trek. They, they turn up to camp together. They never leave camp together. So Coley and I bonded, and he was incredible. Loves an escape room, yeah. so he keeps things amused. Runs an iron ship. So sing. dry as well. So, so dry. dry. Yeah, so he's dry. Yeah. He's quite shy, but as soon as he gets to know yeah. you, he's... Courtney uh, Laws. Ruffield, then. Keep Courtney Laws. Laws, yeah. Unbelievably good-looking. Just want to be in a slipstream. Style for days. Just a machine. Tick from Rob Show on that one there. Giacomo like you as well. Full Giacomo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Giacomo's unbelievable. Don't come oh, at me, mate. Are you, are you putting yourself in this team, you two? Um, and where are you going to play? Yeah, yeah, we've got to have me. We've got to have both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll okay. put myself in. And who's uh, going to be in your number Who's your number five? Uh, I don't we only one. Yeah, and it's who we have. Simon Shaw. No? Yes, yeah. fucking yes, Simon Shaw, mate. What a tourist, what a boy, unbelievable. We'll go us two. Yeah, us two. Yeah, number eight, Nick Easter. Now, you've got to have Lawrence Delalio at number eight. I'll tell you why. He's, he's got a black Amex. Contact. Right, he's got contacts. Yeah, Everywhere contact. you go, he'll sort it. He's like, pass, mate, I'll sort it out. We've got a club here. We've got a table there. We've got a yacht there. He, he takes <laughs> care of that. Um, oh, Danny Care, number Deece, nine. Yeah. DC. Good value. Great yeah. value. What a boy. Incredible. Uh, number 12. Um, who else would we have? Uh, 
Oh God! Let's move. I'll tell you, move on. Thirteen. I've well, got Henry Paul down there, but I'm not sure if he was. I don't uh, really know. I didn't really have you any played him. No. Yeah. Play again. How old? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm actually and Henry Paul's cousin. The other day, or former girlfriend somewhere. I can't remember. Um, she just came up. To they me. call him Sauce, mate, for a reason. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, we can put him in there. Uh, you make tins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tins, yeah, I've got to put tins in yeah. there. He, um, yeah, obviously for obvious reasons, great boy. Winger's um, a tough one, aren't they? Um, who's who's guitarist, Winger? Uh, Ugo Monnier. Yeah. Bit of style. Um, plays it very cool. Plays it very cool. Who else we got? Uh, you write, you stop writing them in, haven't I've you? I've writing, yeah. Uh, yeah. Never who's the other winger? Who would we have? Um, I know they're doing 119 seconds, but we can cut Well, never, we've never done we've never, Yeah, we've never yeah, done uh, We can take our time now. What about Fraser Waters? Oh, yeah. Fraser, Fraser Waters. Uh, yeah, uh, what, 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 mate, 12. Yeah, uh, well, 13. One of the poshest man, but so nice. Ex roving got banned from Law's Cricket Ground for streaking. So, <laughs> so he's loose as hell. Uh, yeah, he was being awesome. Um, you got Alex Good fallback. That's almost like a bit of a prerequisite. Yeah, yeah. His no legendary status. Problem is though, out. his chat's so bad. His nickname's the drone because <laughs> he drones. So the thing is, he's unbelievable, but he's almost invincible. So the problem is, I don't know if I could put up with a, with a seven week tour of that chat. Um, I tell you, we should have put in as well. Yeah, go on. We can well, revise this, mate. It's fine. It's flexible. Yeah, who? I'm trying to think. I'm not as strict as Payne. Uh, trying to think of other wingers. <sighs> I tell you, um, Johnny May. He's not great not, on the piss, though. Doesn't really drinker, drink, yeah. He's a character to have. He, yeah, fine, we'll go with Johnny Matt. Yeah, I like that, like, they need like, the guitar player. It's been a nice bit of diversity about it, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, like, can't, yeah. you can't all be drink, big exactly. drinkers like you. Shouldn't yeah. be, I'm not a big drinker. <laughs> I just mean, but Johnny May, you know, Johnny May goes mad. He might turn he, the chicken or break a toilet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that yeah. just about yeah. rounds it up. They're pretty impressive. I uh, must say, you've got to have Keith Wood in there. Come on. Oh, yeah, God, give it a rest, mate. How old are you? I'm your age, mate. Yeah, yeah you're, 34, you're 34. Forget, listen, Doesn't Keith Wood face. was incredible, but he's too old to be oh, in right, this team. Right, well, you're lost because he's a great, great You might as well get there. Jason Leonard in there as well, isn't <laughs> oh, oh, it? Oh, there's no better tourist. Well, there we go. That is it for us this week. How do you think I went? All right? Really good. Really good. I think Payne needs to watch out. I think, I mean, it was a bit rugby heavy at times. We got a bit deep, but I was quite good. And this, I'm not sure the notebook's going to do. You can't bring your school homework in with all your charts and graphs. Okay. But good stats. Well, that is it for this episode of House of Rugby, brought by Joe, together with our friends at Guinness. Thank you very much to Chris Robshaw, James Haskell, as ever. Just nice to see him in the country, probably doing a story as he speaks now. Check out TKO, which is dropping this Thursday. And also Kelly Cates bringing you Liquid Football, a wonderful episode, which is available to download now. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.co.uk for the facts.